Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. I'm with Benjamin. We've been talking about narcolepsy. A little review. If you haven't gone to the podcast and gone to the one that we did before this, I would suggest that you do that because it gives you a little background. But uh, very seldom do two narcoleptics get in a studio and talk <laughs> because it could go silent for a while. Uh, <laughs> Actually, not really. What misconceptions do you think people have about narcolepsy, Benjamin? Yeah, it, it's. I think it's similar to every other misconception that it um, that it's only one way. Yeah. You know, but um, there's many different perspectives, and and when you when you understand what you have, you well, in Christ, I've been able to master over it, and it's still super hard. But um, it's either it's all or nothing. It's yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, some think, well, I'm talking to you, you're going to fall asleep. I've never had that happen when I'm talking in the middle mm-hmm. of a sentence. Um, <laughs> in in church, when we pray, I'll go, I'll sleep. Uh, but I really, you know, for me, here's what I found. I don't know if you find this true or not, mm-hmm. but I find if my mind is really engaged, mm-hmm. if I can keep my mind engaged, I'm fine. Is that one reason you do so many books? Oh, absolutely. Books, radio. <laughs> yeah. Everything. It's awesome. If my if my mind's engaged, I stay with it. Hmm. Now the minute the minute it goes neutral, that's when I struggle, <laughs> and I'm looking for a place on Walmart floor to go lay down. <laughs> right, because the lights bother you. That's right. I mean, yeah. The lights in Walmart do bother me. Li- any fluorescent lights bother me. Hmm. Um, any fluorescent light makes me want to go to sleep. Hmm. And uh, I was explaining that it's the little twinkle or something in the light. That's not natural. Your brain picks it up. Uh, so it's very interesting. I mean, that's one of the struggles, basically. If you have a store with fluorescent lights in it, I'm not staying in there very long uh, because I get too tired. I'm exhausted. Yeah. By the time I walk out, I feel like I have to be held up. Mm. You know, it's like, how'd that happen? So silly lights that kind of flicker in the background. Mm. Um, but really, I, I, I really live a somewhat normal life. We've chosen different paths. You don't take any medications. Not and anymore. I do, and uh, you did it one time, but you've given those up, and I and I tip my hat to you because I probably take too many um, with my heart medications and my my narcolepsy medications. But in the same respect, you know, I respect the fact that that's the route you chose to take. It's kind of like a vaccine or not, you know. What I mean, it's like you know what, get yeah. one or don't. I don't care. That's one of the beauties about grace that eats to faith, right? Yeah. In faith, you. You thank God for the medications, and in faith, I stay away from them. Yeah. Well, here, yeah, and here's the funny part about that. It's like, okay, no matter what you do, if you're putting your trust in the vaccine, you're mm-hmm. a fool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm not against vaccines, by the way. I'm, mm-hmm. In fact, my generation, smallpox. Sure. We, you know, we're I'm the vaccine generation. I mean, we we were making vaccines for vaccines, and I mean, we were. Mm-hmm. I can remember getting my. Um, polio vaccine at a fire department in Chicago by going in and getting a sugar cube and they would put the little drop in the in the sugar cube and we'd have that and I'd want to go back the next day and get another one and so you know my generation is really a generation that isn't anti-vaccine I mean I I understand some of the younger guys we've worked with um, really are anti-vaccine and I respect them for it that's fine Mm. but you're not going to get someone like myself who has seen the devastation of polio or or smallpox mm. or some of that to join the bandwagon. I'm just not going to do it. However, 
if you trust medications over God, see, that doesn't work either. Hmm. So, you know, that's the simple message, but that's the simple truth. It's kind of like this. How much money, you're an insurance guy. <laughs> I am now, yeah. Yeah. So how much <laughs> money should somebody have s- saved up so that they can live like the rich fool in the Bible? Yeah, that's a complicated question. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Because you don't trust the money. I mean, I don't care yeah. how much you have. It comes and goes. Yep. I'm raising my kids right now to realize that um, I, my mother, or my wife and I are gifts to them from God. Yep. And a gift is something you cherish because of the one who gave it to you. So for the glory of God, take care of mom and I when we're older. That's yep. my insurance. Yep. And if it goes away, I hope to have a little extra, but ultimately God will be there in his goodness to help me, yeah. regardless if I believe or not. Well, you know, I'm on different boards for things and, and here in, in this ministry and others. And one of the things that comes up often is how much money should we have in the bank mm-hmm. for whatever, you know, yeah. and I know the business formulas or whatever it might be. That's fine. And <laughs> and I don't know why they look to me because I, I think accountants are funny the way they do things. And <laughs> they just keep creating columns and putting things places. And, you know, they can say whatever they want to with oh, their numbers. Praise the Lord for the accountants. Yeah, though. I know. I love accountants. <laughs> and all the business guys that are associated with us are now rolling their eyes saying, we know you, Dave. You love us. We know that you trust us. It's just you always talk about it as if we're the evil side of everything Mm -hmm. you're not evil i'm not saying that what i'm saying is that any time that we put our trust in our plans or our money we're going to be disappointed Mm -hmm. as i say that i'm also saying maybe you should have money put away because god's going to have you live to 120 Mm -hmm. and you're going to need to put it somewhere to live and eat and you're not going to be able to work Mm -hmm. see i don't know what god's plan is so if your money keeps you from trusting God, then that's a mistake. Yeah. But I'm not against saving it. You know what I mean? Because hmm. I, I don't know what God's plan is. And I think each person has to come to the conclusion that, okay, I, here's what I'm doing to be responsible with what I've been given. Hmm. And I'm going to respond to the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I'm going to put some away, whatever that number is. I'm going to give money away. It all belongs to God. I'm going to respond to him. And in the end, I'm trusting in him from the beginning to the end. So I don't know how much to tell you to put away hmm. in that sense. It yeah. doesn't mean, by the way, I have life insurance policies, so I'm, I'm not against that. Right. But we're not trusting him. That, you know, the life insurance policy isn't going to cure my narcolepsy and it's not going to cure my wife's cancer. Right. In fact, if something happens to both of us, it's only going to give my kids money. You know, and the hierarchy theme of all of this that you just said, like, isn't it just incredible that the truth is actually that God not only exists, but he's been eternally good yep. forever, right? Yep. And it's only by faith in Christ that we come into that knowledge. Yep. And through that, we uh, we can learn wisdom to actually walk according to that knowledge to where if you want to save up money for long term, that's pretty smart, yep. right? That's prudent. Oh, yeah. If you don't, well, you... You'll probably be, I don't know, you might be okay, but there might be some loss or some consequences there. So be smart. And it, it's it's interesting because that's that's how I navigate the narcolepsy. Sure. Because through Christ, I've realized, uh, actually he's given me the ability to realize that God is love, right? And love does no wrong to thy enemy, to thy yep. neighbor. Yep. 
And it's fascinating because that is a principle of truth that helps me pre-plan knowing that I have narcolepsy, knowing that I have affliction, knowing that I could fall asleep, knowing that there's going to be warning signs before I fall asleep. Sure. I have to be prudent. I have to be wise, just like you. I used to own a painting company. Yep. I used to go up on ladders 20, 30 feet up in the air. And there's been times where all of a sudden, knowing that, not wanting to uh, uh, bring what I am afflicted with to harm anyone else, I've slid down those ladders so fast sure. and take a five-minute nap at the bottom. Now, one could say that, well, why don't you um, manage that risk by just stop painting? But I don't think that's wise either because I've grown in courage because of the, the knowledge of God to bring forth wisdom to be able to say, wow, I'm about to fall asleep. Let me right. take a nap. Right. Or let me do what I need to to love people around me. Yeah. And I, I think that's... Uh, just so fascinating. That's the beauty of this faith, this confidence before God we have in Christ, that he reveals wisdom and knowledge to allow us to walk out that truth. Yep. And it, it helps in those times. So whether you get a vaccine or you don't, whether you save or you don't, I mean, do everything by faith. Yep. But if you don't have that faith, oh my, I used to walk that walk. Obviously, Benjamin, you've learned a lot through... Uh... God using circumstances in your life. And I actually believe that God is faithful to continue to work in each of our lives to bring us to the point where we should be. Hmm. And he'll use all the circumstances of this life. And one day when we see him, we'll be thankful he did hmm. because he will bring us to the place where we should be before we see him face to face. But you uh, are, are talking of what I would call some Sunday school answers. You've said you know, yeah, well, you just got to know Jesus. You got to trust Jesus. And and I could ask a five-year-old what they need to trust, and they'll tell me Jesus in church. So, mm. um, But you're now older, and you're talking about something you actually have experienced and know about. So tell me what this disease and the process has really taught you. Oh, boy. What a beautiful uh, position to be in right now. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's dive into it. Um, it's interesting that um, the Bible talks about the goodness of God. and But if we don't believe that, we see uh, a wicked God, a wrathful God. We, we see whatever we want to see. But what I've learned through all of this is because the Lord blessed me to have faith in Jesus and because of what he accomplished on my behalf, it brought me to the state of I've answered the greatest question of all, and it's been the answer has been given to me. God is good. And from there, in the times that I wrestle with doubt or I'm overwhelmed with the pain of being tired, I go back to that truth of Christ, the truth about God's goodness, and I work from there, and I take my thoughts captive. So the practical side of what have I learned on all of this is that I was wrong about God. And now that Jesus has defended God, he has defeated the works of the enemy uh, to allow me to turn from my unbelief and to stare straight at Christ and say, wow, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. To believe in him allows me to be practical now in how I battle this walk because it's, it's tough. Yep. Any affliction is tough. Any consequence or anything. I mean, I've buried my 17-year-old niece. Um, 
I was I spoke at a funeral of my best man before he was um, uh, before I was married. Um, all of these things, but yet I have learned that Jesus has told the truth, and I trust Him in His message, and in that being justified and all this church answers right but at the the basis of it god has given me grace to see and to believe now and now i have a renewed mind i think differently because i have the knowledge that everybody's looking for is he or isn't he and what is he like yeah well he exists and he's good and i have we have the greatest sign ever Jesus crucified and raised from the dead, and not only just a man, but fully God. Yep. When people doubt, I usually say, well, what do you do with Jesus then? Mm. And, and basically what I'm doing is sending them back to say, you know, and they say, what do you mean? Mm. Well, did Jesus exist in history? Yeah. Yes? Okay. Was he born in Bethlehem? Well, I think, yeah, that's pretty clear. Okay. Mm. I'm not going to ask about the virgin birth at this point I'm, because, you know, I'm asking people don't know the Bible at all. Did he uh, live and die on a cross? Mm. Yes. Huh. Did he rise three days later in his historically valid? Yes. Mm. Then my question to you actually is, who is he? Right. Because really, you and I are on this journey in this earth, and our journey here will end one day, and we will face death that every human faces mm-hmm. And what God has said basically is this, that he sent his son to this earth to die for us. And I promise you this, I will never experience death. Now, death in the Bible, the definition is separation. Right. So, yes, when I die, if, my, if I die before my wife or she dies before me, we'll be separated from each other. I understand that. That's the pain. And if you're going to love deeply, you're going to hurt deeply. There's no way to get around it. Don't try not to hurt. That's the sweetness of God. It's like running a marathon. Your legs hurt, but it's a nice hurt. And, <laughs> right. and, and, you and, understand yeah, it. Yeah, and the people you that don't it. run, yeah. un, you know, you never get sore that way, yeah. but it's a sweet soreness. Yeah, it's a worthy sacrifice. Yeah, but as you look at it, you say, okay, you know, God, you, you are the one that basically has this plan in life, and you are good but I always have to go back with students these days and define good for them. Mm. Because in our culture, Amen. good, you know, even Jesus had to struggle when they called him good. He said, don't call me good. And, and so you have to look at it and go, what's the issue there? Well, good needs a comparative word with it. Mm. So are you good compared to who? Are you good compared to Mother Teresa? Are you good compared to, you know, Joe Biden? Are you good compared to uh, Putin? You know, I mean, Who are you going to compare yourself to so you can say you're good? Now, immediately what happens is we talk about God and we say he's good, and people are comparing then, saying, okay, well, he didn't do this for me, so he can't be good. Hmm. Well, good doesn't mean there's no comparison in the Bible. When when that word is used, it means God is right. Right. He's right. It's a judgment. And because he's right, he's good. Right. Yeah, so yeah. that's what we have to understand. It's not that he's good, so he's right. Mm, amen. But he's right, so he's good. And that rightness is is who he is. Correct. It's interesting that the apostles say that God is love, and love comes from God, right? Yes. So it's like we even have it wrong about love. 
Yep. I mean, God, everything that love is, that's who God is. And Jesus looks to God and says he's good. Yep. And God says to the son, you're the righteous one because he sees the perfect goodness of God in him. And well, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, especially because of the fact that so many people today, you know, it's like, are you telling me that people aren't good? And I'm saying, yes, people aren't right. They, they really have sinned and they've separated because of sin. Mm-hmm. See, we, we suffer a separation from God. Here's what's going to happen after I die. If you go into the Bible and you read the story about the rich man and Lazarus, it's very clear what happens. Mm-hmm. Lazarus was a child of God. And the Bible tells us in that story that when Lazarus died, the angels carried him. He never actually died. Hmm. He, he closed his eyes on this life and was carried to the presence of God. Now, I have no idea what that looks like. I have no idea what that means. I, you know, whatever. The next paragraph or whatever talks about the rich man. And it's really a stark contrast there where it says, and the rich man died, comma, and was buried. Hmm. One was carried one was buried. The next phrase, in hell, talking about the rich man. Okay, the rich man was so busy in this life that he had no time for God. Lazarus, in a way, he, he had time. He was sitting around begging. He didn't have anything to do. Mm. His disability, in some respects, allowed him to see things clearly. Mm. This rich guy, the, this rich guy that that died. We don't even know his name, which is interesting. God gave us the name of the one that's in eternity, but not the one that isn't. Mm. And this rich guy basically was had one request eventually. Just go tell my brothers that this is real. Mm. Do you mean to say that Lazarus was the guy that actually got it? Mm. The guy that was a beggar? The guy that didn't have all the comforts of life? He's the one that has it? You know, if you're listening today, I want to tell you, you, you find people that are not self-dependent. You find people that have chronic diseases like narcolepsy or something else and still love God, love their family, love life. You should listen to them. There's a reason. They, they found something out. Yeah. Lazarus was one who never, ever died. When he actually went into the presence of God, that whatever made him a beggar was over hmm. and he closed his eyes on this world and he opened them up and there he never died. And that's the hope that we have in Christ hmm. and anyone that lives apart from the hope. You know, and when we say hope in the Bible, again, it's really kind of important. You know what those words mean? Right. Hope is not, I, I like you and I might say, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Where you cross your fingers yeah, and you just hope. That's not what we're talking about. No. The hope that's used in the Bible is certain. Because of God, the hope is certain. Hmm. So regardless of my sickness, regardless of the circumstances of life, regardless of the war in Ukraine, I have hope. I have hope in God. And we have hope in God because he sent Jesus to be the only true witness. Absolutely. You know, some people will tell me and and, and they'll they'll act like, you know, I, I know God. I believe in God. And then I ask them about Jesus. And it's so fascinating that... In the scriptures, I, I believe that Jesus is really saying, everyone else has lied to you. I'm here to tell you the truth. Right. And because you believe that lie, you're in sin, 
and under the wrath of God. But I have come so that you may have life. And whoever believes in me shall not perish because of their sin, but have eternal life. Right. And it, it's so fascinating that if you really break that down, Jesus is saying that I am the way. Whoever believes in me, though they shall die, yet shall they live. And that is the very hope that Christ has given me to be able to overcome the narcolepsy and to overcome the depression and those things. Not that I'm not afflicted with them, not that I don't struggle with them, but because of that truth, because of Christ and his work on my behalf through the justification of faith, we could get into theology, sure. right? But at the, at the very preface of me, I know that outside of me there is no goodness other than God in me through Christ. And because of what he's done, now I'm gonna get back up. Right. I can walk because he's with me. His grace, his favor is upon me. Just like with Lazarus and everybody else, whoever believed in God, they they got it. They were justified. Yeah. They were righteous. They had the strength now to walk. And yeah. I, I don't have to worry about being perfect. I don't have to be worried. I used to, I told you this before, I used to struggle with narcolepsy thinking it was my identity. Right. Thinking about all these things. But when you get down to the root of it, it's God who created us in his image and likeness, male and female. And those that believe in Jesus, uh, they get that. Yep. And I'm grateful for that. That yep. gives me strength to, to walk. when Because if you look at my old life, Dave, I mean, and you compare it with, like you said, God is the standard, right? Right. Um, you would see that Benjamin on his own, uh, wow, <laughs> he was a hot mess. <laughs> yep. But now, because of the Lord... I'm different. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how he um, works his plan in each of our lives. And if we'll just give him the opportunity, mm. he loves us. And there is a plan. And mm. there's no possible way that anybody's getting through this life not sick mm. or, or being able to trust anything other than God because it will always let you down. Mm. And I think those of us that have afflictions like this, the more helpless we feel, the more we draw to God. Now, the other happens too. Some people get angry because, again, they think God's a sugar daddy rather than God. Mm. Say, let's go to him and make demands. And if he really loves me, he gives me what he wants. Mm. There's not a parent I know that falls for that one. Mm. You know, if you love me, you'll give me whatever I want as a kid. That's manipulation. Yeah, and and that's what we try and do to God. We try and manipulate God. Mm. It's like, no, God, this is the life you gave me. And you have purpose. What I really enjoy, when you go back again to the book of Job, you find a guy did all right, whatever it might be. At the end, though, one of the interesting things of Job is that he repents. Mm. And you look at it and you go, what's he repenting for? You know what I mean? He, he didn't do anything. Well, he did something. Along yeah. the journey, which I find very interesting, he basically seemed to always have a great attitude. Mm. But there was a time where it seemed that he was saying, you know, God, even though you must have done this randomly, hmm. I'm okay with it. Hmm. And it was after that, it seemed that, I don't think that's the word used in the Bible, but that's the impression I got. Hmm. Then all of a sudden, God, for three chapters, are going, so what do you actually know, Job? <laughs> right. It, yeah. Were you there when it, I stretched yeah. out so the he, heavens? <laughs> he, he gives them three chapters of, really? Because here's hmm. what I think is a basic flaw of all of us people. Sometimes because we are so tied to the idea that our works need to be rewarded and we think we've done a good job. 
that we think, okay, I don't know, but God randomly picked me out and hurt me. And God would say, I don't do random things. Mm. Yeah. There's no random here. Mm. And we have to understand that. And once we understand that, we can go forward mm. because he isn't random. He doesn't pick me out and just say, oh, just for the fun of it, let's beat Dave up. Yeah. That's not what happened. And you know, the whole time I'm reading Job, I'm thinking, Job, you got to know what's going on behind the scenes here. Mm. But he didn't. Eventually, he had to trust God. Right. And he did. Hmm. And he's fine. And that's the lesson of one of the oldest books in the Bible. Hmm. You know, when I go through the book of Job, if our listeners want to read the book of Job, there's four lessons. I know theologians find a lot more, but I only found four. One, there's a real battle going on between Satan and God. The second thing, the battle is about the very concept of love. Because what kept getting thrown at Job was, how can God love you when you have all this happening? Hmm. Three out of four of his friends is the third point. We're wrong. They didn't understand God. Hmm. They thought you did something you shouldn't do. Hmm. And the last uh, point is basically, I am still responsible for what I believe if I believe something wrong, and I need to repent. Hmm. And, yeah. and those are clear in the book of Job, uh, you know, I think. So when you go through the book of Job, you say, wow. You know, Job, God isn't random. And I can say the same thing about your narcolepsy or mine. God's not random. This mm -hmm. didn't ha he didn't pick us out of a crowd and go, let's, let's watch this and see how you suffer. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it, it's so interesting you say that. It's For those out there that are actually struggling and going through it, I might not understand, but I, I, I have compassion for that, right? Right. But at the same time, if I could, if I could stand here and say anything in all of this that we've talked about, I would, I would stand and say, the truth about God is from of old, but humanity was deceived and we believed the lie about God that has separated us from that knowledge and made us unworthy, yep. right? And because of who he is, he has to punish that. I mean, how can you, how can you, if you don't believe what he says in the earth, how are you going to believe what he says in heaven? I mean, that's really important. Right, he's a just God. Right, but yet, a testimony about God's goodness is that before Judgment Day, before all of this, he sent Jesus as a gift of mercy and love to show us the truth. And I would say in all of this that if you see Benjamin Strong or Dave Strong or whatever, I mean, it's all because of Christ, right? Absolutely. But for those of you that don't know him, uh, haven't yet believed in him and turned to him, I would ask you to ask your question of this. Who is he? Yep. And if you realize that he is actually the Messiah, trust him because he paid in full your, your salvation. Yep. And allow him to transform you because it's by faith that one is justified not by works absolutely and you know he uses the word adoption in the bible for per on a purpose i've been adopted mm. and if you look at a child that needs adoption the only qualification they have is that they're needy <laughs> right that's it <laughs> break me lord <laughs> yeah they're needy they have nowhere to go they have nobody to take care of them and god says i will use my resources to bring you into my family Amen. And that's what really happens in adoption. Uh, adoptive parents go to somebody who doesn't have any hope, and they say, we'll use our resources hmm. to put you into a family. And that's what God did. And then you can relax and know that God's got a plan.
You've been listening to Younger Older. I'm Dave. I've been here with Benjamin. We hope that you go to the scriptures and see how much God loves you and submit to his plan. It's the only way to go. Goodbye for now.